Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. This is episode number eight, Perennial Estate Planning with a Revocable Living Trust, originally published October 8th, 2021. Tonight I want to check in on and document my unfolding journey of learning about and implementing this thing called a revocable living trust, which um, I've mentioned briefly in previous episodes how it's um, entered my life, this process of um, becoming financially literate, literate, I guess you could say, uh, for the first time ever out of necessity. And, um, uh, you know, you hear people who manage their own wealth and even professionals managing other people's wealth. And um, when you have no money, as I have had no money for most of my life, and you're broke as a joke, and it's real cute when you're young, but it's not as so cute when, you know, you start aching and your body starts falling apart. Um, it's not so cute anymore to be broke and uh, without going on a tirade, belly aching. You know, I think, yeah, I could have acted on my the bitcoin um fairies that came into my life to kind of hint to me and nudge me in that direction earlier but uh i got in when i got in and i i evolved with the industry and now i have what i would call the responsibility of um handling these uh dealing with these headaches of of managing wealth in a way that it's not just about being creative with how you how you um, take full legal and full fully uh, granted license to to use the tax code to your favor. That's why it's all there. <laughs> it doesn't really matter to people who just have a have their tax taken out of their paycheck and get a return at the end of the year that's you wouldn't even care to think much about it and I never did when I was broke as a joke and uh so those people who are you know as a poor broke person when I think about the audacity of people who have wealth talking about how it's not as great as you know as it sounds and it comes with a lot of headaches and you know, I would say the, within the first week of myself ever actually having significant, call it 
paper gains, if you will, um, meaning basically not being broke as a joke anymore, uh, that very quickly I realized, I said to myself, you know, it's it's going to be a lot harder to, to keep this than it was to get it. Um, and, uh, and that has forced me, obviously, to to think through a lot of things that were never even they were just unthinkable, unimaginable on the event horizon. Did I ever think I was going to be um, subscribing to the Investopedia term of the day and like daily sort of market and market analysis uh, email list? Like, no. But uh, hey, I'm I'm a late bloomer because now there's so many so-called millennials who are who have been um, liberated and seduced and marketed to by. A Cambrian explosion of trading apps that and and then the meme culture that's built up around it it's not even like um I mean it seems to me like it's almost uh it's so it's so deep in the zeitgeist now um I feel like yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot of people who are navigating this for the first time all at the same time and um, there's lots of great podcasts and so many great resources out there. Uh, as much as people get snarky about the social media platforms, which I'm, I don't participate in them much anymore, if at all. But I do have to say that, um, giving credit where it's due, a lot of my good fortune has come from the wisdom of algorithms, just sort of um, uh, leading me to more really good content producers who I've been able to study and be mentored by, you know, from afar. So just want to give that shout out, nothing by name, but I will just shout out that uh, we live in a time, an unprecedented time of extreme horrors and evil and climate change and all the, the all the shadow stuff. But um, paradoxically and serendipitously, the tools to turn a ship around, as it were, they're all more abundant than ever so therefore there's no excuse and there's no excuse to be financially ignorant anymore for at least for me i'm not gonna you know hey ignorance is bliss believe me when i didn't know a, a billionth of what i know now it was very blissful to to not have any response not take a lot of responsibility for my future self uh, or for the burden that i present to people by things like not having any health insurance pretty much my whole life and just YOLO, you know, <laughs> it's been a miracle that I didn't get in more and bigger trouble for all the time that I had no emergency fund, had no savings, had no um, backup, anything, had no redundancy, had no um, no financial planning, no insurance almost of any kind, and yet did all kinds of outlandish, wild, risky stuff, being in punk bands and touring and playing in dilapidated, totally, totally sketchy uh, <laughs> venues. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a miracle I made it this far. And there's a lot of people who didn't. And there's a lot of people who got maimed by that lifestyle, uh, financially and medically and spiritually, emotionally, sometimes physically. So, yeah, I wake up with um, some occasional stiffness, but, you know, I can do some yoga and some martial arts and some dancing to kind of smooth that out. I got two arms and two legs. 
I don't have hardly any debt. I don't have any bastard children or financial um, obligations to any failed relationships. And nobody has come after me so far <laughs> that, that out of left field to tell me that I wronged them and therefore they have damages, you know, to claim against me and knock on bamboo that stays that way. Um, but here I am trying to make sense of what is prudent as a you know, now you know as a, in my now early 40s um, and this is my first rodeo so how do you make money um, work for you how do you get financially free how do you do all these things that were always um, just incomprehensible to me how do you time the market or have investment strategies and um know know how to compare things and do due diligence all this stuff i mean i'm not going to turn this into the the uh hashtag not investment advice investment advice show like everything else i listen to but uh but what what matters in terms of the spirit of my purpose my mission you know my dharma if you will and certainly my devotion my tireless devotion to being a good permaculture warrior um, and having done permaculture with so little resources that that it makes it fun I mean it's it's like when uh when Kurt Cobain said when when he be paraphrasing when he when he got famous and he got wealthy going shopping wasn't fun anymore because what used to be fun was only being able to afford to buy one or the other shirt at the thrift store so the one that you got you had to really you know bond with it right because yeah because you couldn't just get anything you know you looked at so uh the situation i'm in now is looking at looking at quite a number of years of um, being fully dedicated to to permaculture as a as the better than anything I came up with as a as a as a brand name for everything that I was interested in already, which was environmental anthropology applied. And and what you know, my one of my friends said he was a very astute uh, friend, uh, student friend of mine. We were both getting into permaculture very heavily. He was about ten years younger than me, and he was getting into it when I wished I had, which was like real serious in college age and starting to tinker and experiment and stuff. And and one time he said, you know, permaculture is just repackaged ecology. It's just applied ecology, and. Um, you know, he wasn't saying that to be dismissive of it or to, like, say that it's, like, some sort of, um, you know, clever marketing kind of, like, manipulation or, or anything. Um, he was just just kind of making an observation, <laughs> which is very permaculture of him, permaculturistic of him. Um, and, I, and I was like, you're right, and often I think about, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily think I want to wear that, hang that shingle, and wear that badge on everything I do. I mean, for the people who want to talk about it and commiserate about it and share share knowledge and wisdom about it, um, I'm all. I'm all. I'm all for participating in the movement at that level of like of 
being a lab, being a think tank, experimenting, moving it forward. But if I was going to sell my services, I'd probably just call it ecological design. Uh, and there's a lot of people who talk about whether or not it's useful to call what you're doing permaculture because it most of the time just like it's not popular enough yet and it's not in demand enough yet, although that is growing, which is great. And the pandemic has spurred a lot of growth in, in inquiries for permaculture design consultation. That's great, but uh, still, it's another step with clients to explain to them, unless they want it and they know it, but if I can say, I'm doing ecological design, and I'm doing sustainable energy and food systems for everything from backyards to to uh, broad-scale agriculture, which I have less experience with, but going back to the wealth aspect of this... It was very, very, very good for me to have been a broke permaculturist so that I could experience the joy and the soul-building and character-building aspect of doing the deep ethics of it all the way down to, to like using every splinter of available material on a site before you go and buy something new just because you have the privilege to go and buy something new because a it's it's available to you geographically because of how the markets work of supply chains of commodities and b because you can you have the money to go buy it so for me i really took that to the max i did the most fun macgyver life hack sort of um, systems of mild permaculture and I, I really feel like uh, I definitely put in a lot of years and a lot of time and a lot of blood, sweat and tears and passion and of course had a lot of the projects pulled out from under me because I didn't own the property or because it was just, it's like almost like I've made the joke before, I mean most people who want to do permaculture end up doing temp tempaculture, temporary agriculture or temporary culture because they get rug pulled so much and I went through that over and over and over again and literally the last place that I spilt so much blood, sweat and tears into in the name of permaculture, in the name of creating a, a site to do a PDC uh, or to host PDCs and also to just do the works, do it all. I've, I've always been full on to the max just driving the wheels off of every opportunity to, to, to practice this lifestyle, this profession, uh, and, and this way of, uh, of, of living, of, um, of doing production. And uh, the last time where I was at last, you know, i talking with the owner in lots of meetings saying like, look, you know, I'm not saying that this is you. I'm not saying uh, I'm, I'm trying to jinx anything, but uh, but the pattern is typically that there's rug pulling that happens, and you know if if you're renting or leasing or whatever. So like, it was a big sort of high stakes thing whether or not I was going to put thousands of dollars into bentonite. You know, what would have been one of my first biggest significant multi thousand dollar investments into someone else's property up to that point you know maybe i would pay rent maybe i would squat maybe i would work trade but i was spending their money to do the install or i was just scrounging stuff you know cuttings and taking seeds out of fruit or you know <laughs> like 
doing everything with zero budget for years, but doing epic shit even with with zero budget which makes it so much more rewarding in a lot of ways and makes you know for me most importantly was just like i don't want to do anything in a design that somebody with no money and no resources and no education maybe not even literate someone could look at this anywhere in the world and with almost they would be able to adapt it with with um trash basically you know that because that's what i did and uh you know, there's some aesthetic. If you're into the Mad Max thing, then it's an aesthetic plus. If you, if not so much, can be an aesthetic minus. But a good thing is, I worked for some of the most um, seasoned veteran permaculture designers who serviced Beverly Hills, Malibu, Pacific Palisades, all of these super high-end West Side LA County clients. And uh, yeah, um, and so I got to. Sp- I got to do the whole gamut of me and my broke-ass ghetto, literally in the ghetto projects, um, all the way to infinite budgets to do the most elaborate designs with the most expensive materials and whatnot. Um, And, you know, it's been only this last uh, year, really, where, where I could actually start acting, not necessarily like, I mean where it became thinkable to do things like okay I'm renting or leasing on someone else's property is this where I want to put down multiple thousands of dollars to do installations knowing that either the lease is going to run out and doesn't and and, and is not there's no obligation for it to be renewed or the lease gets terminated or some political thing happens uh, falling out between partners or whatever so like I felt like that. I told myself this has got to be the last time, and lo and behold, I'm now sitting on property that I own, that I own, and now I have far far less um, internal struggles with allocating funds to do permanent culture, permanent agriculture projects here, and think intelligently about the strategies to bankroll and finance a productive for-profit um but but human scale and for now a very personal scale uh productive nursery garden aquatic landscape uh paradise um (laughs) oasis in the desert so um yeah i'm very Despite everything else going on in the world that's unpleasant, I am very pleased to be where I'm at doing what I'm doing. And I'm also I'm also re-watching the Tagari uh, production of the Permaculture Design course from the horse's mouth, the 72-hour chalk and talk course with Bill Mollison and Jeff Lawton. And... Um, I have experienced at least uh, a couple other PDC formats, and this is there's pros and cons to it. I'm not going to go into my my feelings about it much, but I will say um, I am one of the people who read the Permaculture Designers Manual cover to cover, not in one sitting mind you but uh but i felt it a duty for myself to feel um competent and confident 
using the word in my projects and hopefully not giving it not giving it black eyes by making a bunch of rookie mistakes that you know <laughs> cause a bunch of um, ecological disasters in the name of permaculture which you know I have I've had some minor you know minor uh, mistakes that have that have been um, that were that that were relatively easy easy to correct, and I don't feel like they did a great disservice to permaculture. But I also feel like um, I feel like it's a duty to have read that read that manual and uh, in um, as a as a. A, a, rec, a, a prerequisite or a, a requisite for doing that PDC, the chalk and talk PDC, like read the read the manual, do the, do the the canonical PDC, and then have that to compare other PDCs too for their pros and cons. So I think everybody has beautiful, different, important ways of of uh, adding their culture, adding their 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 location. Um, into into the permaculture design course but uh but since i'm going through it again and i have the privilege and luxury now to sit down and have my own place and my own site to where the stuff that when i went through it the first time yeah like i'm rem- i'm remembering how jazzed i was with so many of these things and of course that was 10 years ago and i've been going hard since then so coming back to the canonical pdc the last maybe one of the last ones that bill ever was present for um i don't know how many more he did before he passed but uh but you know love him or hate him or both um it's penetrating it is very moving the stories he tells and 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 the uh predictions made and the trajectory that that he was elucidating so you know the stuff is is bone chilling and is 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 like um as many goosebumps as i had the first time now i have even more because now i really am putting myself in a life or death situation where i i read this you know i i take this information and i implement it correctly and the stakes are pretty high unless I want to tap out and go go back to apartment land. And, uh, you know, I don't think I've actually, I have not ever, I've not ever once had my name on a, um, maybe one time, for one period of, of one year in my whole life, I guess I could say to be technically accurate, have I ever had my name on a residential uh, a rental agreement so that means like they say the joke what do you call a, a drummer who broke up with his girlfriend the, the answer is homeless that's been me it's like yeah i've shacked up i've lived in my car i lived in my van i lived in the, the band rehearsal studios you know i've lived on the street i slept on a skateboard i slept in dumpsters <laughs> i've slept in the forest uh slept in the tree sit forest old growth canopy but i just have um I've been such a rebel, I guess, to my own detriment, you know, more often than not. But, uh, but there was never, there is no going back to the apartment for me. What, what it would be to leave now and to, to throw in the towel on man versus permaculture now means going back to living on Skid Row and being surrounded by what I call the COVIDiocracy. And, um, 
and all of the the madness that's happening like this this what i'm doing now is the quintessential bugging out experience on a fresh piece of property where literally i've had the idea that if i was going to do like a less stroud thing it would be it would be man versus permaculture you get one item you get the clothes on your back and the permaculture designer's manual and a fucking piece of property and that's it <laughs> and uh you know now i'm coming here spoiled and privileged with you know financial resources and um you know just a few the tools that i need the bare bare minimum basic tools and uh i don't want to bring in a lot of equipment i don't want to bring in certainly hardly any plastic if i can help it i want to do the extreme what you see came from the land and every mineral every drop of water every cell every drop of blood everything in my entire physical being came from the rain that fell on this land the sun that came on this land and all of the systems of production that i that i co-created with nature uh gardening with my bare hands and um and maybe a little help from a little bit of solar powered tools once in a while but to me that's the dream to me that is like better than the video games i played growing up better than you know the um the the allure of being a combat veteran and all of the accolades and all the attention that you would get from having those um acting out those gi joe childhood fantasies and you know to me this is um obviously it's more sustainable and 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 it is as with the words of uh jack spearco and and the words of jeff lawton uh it when you take on the system by subverting it ecologically then you are stepping into that warrior energy and um that it's really satisfying <laughs> compared to the other alternatives that you get you know uh yeah i could have taken my martial arts passion to be an mma fighter i could have taken my um military passions from childhood and 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 become a a trained killer on the on the battlefield uh gunfighting um could have done an, an, any number of other things to sort of um prove my manhood to myself and to others but uh i really believe in yakuba and the cartoon uh animation the man who planted trees be one of god's athletes by by planting trees and and live out that uh that adage of uh you know a healthy society has men who plant trees under which uh, the shade they'll never they'll never experience or whatever that one is but i'm i'm at a point now where like i really I'm really excited to to be in this mode and getting to the main topic having prefaced of like the the evolution of doing broke as permaculture to doing you know permaculture on my own land which is a dream come true in and of itself and having financial resources to uh now the game is and the strategy and the struggle is um how do you and how do you deploy the resources staging it out over time how do you not get too many things at once just because you can i mean now it's a whole different set of set of issues um and it's not easier like it's not 
in some ways it's easier but uh but that's why again i say you know the grass is always greener so if you're poor you want to be you want to be wealthy if i'm not saying i want to be poor now but i will say that um just like Jeff Lawton has said many times about walking onto a site and the more constraints there are by the by the uh, the sort of nature and the, the 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 laws or the location whatever factors that make a site more restrictive to design within it actually makes it easier because if you have no restrictions and it's infinite possibilities then it it's harder to know where to start what to key off of and and um and how to you know how to how to uh apply all of these how to select from all the different um tools in the toolkit and this wardrobe of um of, of options that you have from your training so if you're broke and you know, okay, well, I gotta go scrounge. You know, I got this is what I need. I can. I'm gonna do it with five gallon buckets, or I'm gonna do it with uh, scrap carpets, or whatever. You know, I've done that. I've I've gone and dumpster dived and ground scored what I needed. I said, this is what I need for a project, and I move. I would manifest it magically out of the waste stream. You know, by going and that was fun, and uh, and and it worked. You know. Uh, it wouldn't have been the same. The magic, the experience wouldn't have been the same if I could just go and and a buy everything new. B like pay laborers to like do all the work. To me, that takes away the, the heart and soul of of doing permaculture. You know, and what I'm you know. So yeah, I have the I have funding. I have abundance. But I also want to space it out, and I also want to do what I'm trained to do, and what is the most ethical thing, and what uh, what is the most fun thing. Which is like every time you think, "Oh, I should just I should buy this thing because that's what I need to do what I'm trying to do." You look around at whatever is on site, whatever was left over from the previous occupants, and you scour through it. You have a sense of the inventory of it, and then you often find that exactly what you need is just sitting there idle and it actually has a little more character because it's a little bit uh a little bit um uh weathered a little bit aged uh has a little more more character to it uh aesthetically and whatnot so you know some of that stuff happens well, stuff happens just almost every day and if you really take more pride in macgyvering something and it ends up having a little bit of a funky character and you know i didn't just go buy that from a supply chain that I that I preach against, you know, um, that I'm trying to trying to move away from, and you know, I don't. You can't always have that the luxury of um, of scrap uh, of upcycling scrap materials on site. Um, you know, sometimes you cut corners by going and buying stuff new, but uh, it's certainly a fun adventure to to always hold on to that and always uh, implement that first um but now the psychology is really maturing in a way that is indicative of what i was trained to expect if you were a land holding permaculture designer who invests their life energy and their capital their their financial resources into building perennial systems then for damn sure you're not going to want to let all that work 
go to waste, be paved over, bulldozed over, be um, seized, uh, or end up uh, in probate court where who knows what will be done with it if you were to die, quote, intestate, meaning not having left a will, um, then that really betrays permaculture in a big way if you make a beautiful site that you are happy to live in and then you you behave like an annual crop, a, 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 an annual monoculture crop, and as soon as you're done, as soon as you're dead and gone, the system collapses, i.e., the the uh, the work that you did is it go, turns to dust because nobody was instructed to or incentivized to or or even in some ways sort of um, obliged to to carry on the work or at the very least not fuck with it so that everything perennial that you did can just continue to propagate itself for thousands of years you know that's the bigger goal is to is to do a front load the energy input and the capital input and then have a forever system and my one of my favorite things from Jeff Lawton was to say you know your design should be something that would have worked where you are a thousand years ago and will work there a thousand years from now paraphrasing but essentially of course you know <laughs> give or take given climate change of course uh, but but I but more or less, you know, give or take, that's a very empowering position relationship to have. Um, you know, certain things are going to continue to happen within within certain ranges. There's there's going to be wind. There's going to be night and day. There's going to be cold and warm. There's going to be cycles of uh, birth and death and migration of animals. There's going to be all kinds of resources to play with and to design intelligently with and uh you know species may change temperatures may change um but the big the big stuff you know the 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 overall climate the um uh it's possible that within a short period of time you could experience like a geographic pole shift or something and end up going from you know changing biomes completely uh but uh, that's not very likely what's likely is that you do the front loading, you you uh, put in the capital up front, and and another thing I love that that is said in permaculture is just like you do the earthworks, and if you use the big boys' toys or the heavy machinery, uh, heavy equipment, then with the last drops of oil that are left at this peak oil energy crisis, energy descent moment, that you can you can terraform the landscape in ways that it will be productive and stable for thousands and thousands of years and it will not be as easy to do by hand in the future so it does make a lot of sense to um to break that fossil fuel taboo uh and get those heavy machines out to do some some epic epic uh earthworks now we're talking about really establishing perennial systems and all uh, the PDC and the manual, there is as much, it's, it's integral to a design to factor in the so-called invisible structures, the artificially 
engineered systems of law and finance and um, and estate planning ownership how that is transferred how deeds are transferred how the project is protected and sanctioned and 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 um, and perpetuated through the invisible structures so as important as it is to get the mainframe design right to hopefully avoid type 1 errors in design and to get it productive and actually working ecologically equally important is is the invisible structure so um what I want to focus on in that regard, since I have experience, lots of experience working in the nonprofit sector and how those invisible structures work and sometimes don't work, uh, and I have experience with um, various types of uh, engagement with established invisible structures like providing services to clients under contract and doing professional landscaping and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what what is most important for me now in my journey, what I want to document, and I'm not preaching or teaching, I'm just telling my story and having something to remember <laughs> and to, to sort of fo- uh, follow up with and, and check up on the status of this journey, but it, it, I realized pre-COVID a few years ago that uh, you know I'm getting into statistically speaking I'm approaching the second half of my life and you know uh, <laughs> a I want things to be a little easier if if possible um, I want to work smarter and not harder uh, and I'm also more hormonally tame I'm, I'm, I'm less um, I have my mind back as as of when my uh, <laughs> my 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 menopause started to the onset of menopause started to happen I have my mind back which is which has been um, quite a, a a transformative experience and really realizing at the arc around 35 when my mind started to come back and uh, if you know what I mean I'll spare the details but uh, I would say from about 15 to 35 that's a good couple of decades where where I couldn't really pursue wholeheartedly some hobby because all I could think about was women, you know what I mean? That, that, that all I could, and I could, you know, it was like, am I going to get laid tonight? By who? How many times? You know, and I wasn't a scoundrel. I was very, I wouldn't say shy, but I was very hesitant to, to be called a player, you know, so I was very much a sidelined in that game for a lot. I had some beautiful relationships, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna complain, but I will say like uh, it was extremely painful and extremely all-consuming. It was like having scurvy all the time, where all you can see is oranges, you know, or limes or whatever. It's just like you can't get a lot of work done. Gary Collins had a great interview uh, podcast where he talked about. He said this many times, and he's probably my best 
best mentor in terms of menopause, his attitude about it, his approach to it, he says basically like, yeah, I was I was thinking about women all the time. I was a walking hard on, you know, <laughs> sports cars and women. That was all I cared about, you know, and, and like, um, and when the hormones started to change, he's like, I got so much stuff done, you know, he, and it's just like, wow, I, I totally get that. And it's like, yeah, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of sadness. There's a bit of a, you know, a, a, a it, it can be very demoralizing if it becomes a problem of like, uh, of not having, um, what's the word, uh, if you become, if you know, if you're, if you go from being like a walking hard on to becoming permanently impotent, you know, overnight, that's very demoralizing. But, you know, for most people, it's not that drastic. And, uh, you know, for me, I've been blessed to discover Tonkat Ali and, and it's like, um, all natural way for me to, to, um, choose when I want sexy time to, to be all consuming and it's nice for that to be a choice and to me it's like uh, it's been a liability for 20 years to have that not be a choice and all you are is either is either extremely sexually frustrated and un- and it's impossible to really like immerse myself in any other activity wholeheartedly i even feel really bad for the people i worked for you know because i wasn't fully on task you know my mind was somewhere else and uh you know, I would get the job done, but, um, I'm surprised, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised that we just culturally don't, don't, don't really address that very honestly or very, or, or fully really at all. It's just, it's, it's just a thing to joke about in sitcoms. But anyway, before I digress any further, I will say that, uh, in that hormonal phase you are thinking about the weekend you're thinking about is my i mean i was thinking about is my strategy to get laid going to be effective this weekend and that was really the all-consuming thing there was it wasn't like i'm not going to go anywhere or do anything to pursue sex this weekend or next weekend or for the next six months because i'm going to start my own business and put all of my energy into it and put all of my money into it and I'm going to save and I'm not going to go chase chase women around. Um, that was not thinkable. <laughs> that was not even fathomable at all. And if I, the pain and the agony <laughs> that I felt, and I didn't, I wasn't a sex addict. I didn't get, I wasn't a player. I wasn't a ladies man. You know, it was so, it was most, it wasn't like, oh, I'm so successful at this, I have to do it every week. It was like, no, I'm so unsuccessful at this that like every weekend that goes by, I feel worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And there were times where I got very, very existentially distraught about the situation. And, uh, and angel goddesses, you know, came to rescue me in my most pathetic moments and validated me with some of the best, like, off the charts, mind blowing hookup sex ever. But, uh, you know, but then that wouldn't last. And then I would um, be back 
very quickly to that state of um, being distraught over, you know, it's just like body wants to make you hell-bent on reproduction in your prime. And, and, you know, can you blame it? I mean, that's what this is really all about. You can't, <laughs> you're not here to like win the Nobel Prize, you know what I mean? Like that's extra. You're here biologically to reproduce, to, 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 to eat <laughs> and hydrate so that you can reproduce. And if you're a male, then, you know, um, without getting into like um, identitarianism, you know, if that's the word of the day, but, uh, but you're, you're a little bit like, um, biologically speaking, a little bit more expendable in, in pure population ecology terms. So really, you know, (laughs) all this extra fancy, uh, artsy fartsy stuff that we do with culture and language and math and science and art and all that stuff. Like it's, uh, it's built on top of an engine that is mostly interested in getting laid and, uh, and it's important to acknowledge that. But, uh, you know, with all that said, not thinking about estate planning, not thinking about even saving, not thinking about my future, certainly not thinking about a future where where, where I might be less horny, less erect, uh, and, and less driven by that, that, that instinct, that basic instinct, and more like I was not looking in a mirror and imagining myself at 40 or 50 or you know even 30 when i was younger i mean the, the, and, and that's just just common and it's okay like you know jack spirko often says uh somebody used the quote the youth is wasted on the young and uh but it just has to be that way and you can't you drive yourself crazy if you try to like fight fight the arc of life so i see it as a blessing now I wish I would have had better parenting. Well, I wish, oh, I think, you know, anybody can say that, but I wish I would have had uh, financial parenting that was intelligent um, or financial financial mentorship, you know, parenting and beyond. It's basically someone to tell me, no matter what is in your mind and in your pants and, you know, in your life right now, there will be a time when you will slow down, you will get a little achy, you will you will want to work less, you will want to have options, you will not want to be stuck in a dead-end job, you will want to have a nest egg, and, um, and so what you should do is put aside a percentage of every bit of income you ever make, no matter what it is, temp jobs, delivering pizzas, working in the corporate world, whatever it is, spare changing recycling cans whatever it is you save a little bit okay yeah yeah i'm gonna go off on another tangent about about financial planning and 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 all that stuff but uh but in the absence of that mentorship i did not have a you know i mean i don't think many people i don't know what the statistics are i think a very small percentage of the population has uh a any form of of what you would call a last will and testament that actually holds water, um, and uh, and even less have a revocable living trust, and um, it's something people don't want to think about. They often think about it very late in life, even when they've you know um, have lost some some faculties, you know, maybe on their deathbed, maybe under duress, and there's a lot of litigation around stuff like that. A lot of uh, not sitcoms, but, uh, you know, crime dramas and whatnot, uh, TV, but 
here I am, finally able to do the quote-unquote adulting that I wish I would have started doing a long time ago. But even then, the, the, the estate planning stuff, you know, old money people, people that come from, uh, you know, established wealth and families, like they have whole ecosystem of service providers from lawyers to financial planners to family offices, hedge funds, index funds, uh, all of their insurance, all of their investments, all of their properties, all of their real estate, all of their holdings, all of their bank accounts, offshore accounts, whatever, the whole, um, their, their entire estate that's passed from generation to generation, the architecture of the trust funds for their children going down the line, the way that these families propagate and, main, and manage and maintain that, um, that 1% kind of wealth scene that they have, that, that society, um, that's unless except for the ones who are who who got that way from being in the managerial class of like lawyers and financial planners and traders and you know investment bankers and stuff who who obviously would have more um more engagement in those in all that paperwork all those mountains of paperwork i think most people who are wealthy they they farm that out they outsource that to to that whole ecosystem of service providers and they just sign where they're told to sign and they have some some vague understanding of of what's going on but a lot of times they get ripped off and they get embezzled from by their you know by their 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 uh assistants and uh and they're just getting siphoned off so you know um i can say it's all easy for them because they have it all taken care of. But a lot, a lot of times they don't really have it all taken care of and they're getting swindled. But but long story short, on that point, the point is um, <laughs> trying to catch up to that level of like sophistication of having a multi-generational wealth management, wealth... Um, uh, building strat like a multi-generational wealth management and wealth building entire enterprise basically like the 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 corporation of a family that um that carries on you know indefinitely the immortal the immortal estate that carries on indefinitely like for me to approach the the mountain of legal documents and the mountain that just the, the the years and decades of schooling that it would take to even begin to understand not just how they do their tax you know uh wizardry <laughs> but um but the whole the whole spectrum of of um how to protect the assets how to how to put them to work for you how to how to you know build this machine and maintain it and protect it so i am taking my permaculture training and now applying it to my journey of exploring law and exploring researching the difference between a will and a trust a tr- uh, you know a a uh, 
a revocable trust versus non-revocable, uh, the, the permutations within a trust instrument. Um, and so what is, I suppose, what I hope is valuable for me to share about my journey so far is like how interesting it is for, it's almost like Beverly Hills Cop or something like that. It's like, it's that juxtaposition of the person who you would ironically not think is going to be able to like hang in this environment. And yet they take their street smarts and they're able to like apply themselves to, uh, you know, to being a bit of a fish out of water. Uh, so, so here, here's my, here's a bit of, of, of a catching up, bringing up to speed on like my story with this. So I started to, as hormones allowed, started to um, feel and know a little bit more my my personal mortality, feel and know more that like I'm not going to last forever, but I will be leaving behind intellectual property from my art, my music, my writings, etc. And, uh, you know, I'm not rich and famous from any of that now, but... Um, maybe I'm ahead of my time and maybe there will be, maybe there will be, maybe there is a reason why I should think through what kind of invisible structures are established while I'm alive, while I'm competent to ensure that if, if by any chance there is any appreciation of my intellectual property posthumous, um, the posthumous appreciation of my intellectual property i better make no excuse not to have built the built out those in, those invisible structures to know to sleep soundly and to know once i'm dead and gone that uh everything i worked so hard to produce which i feel like was my gift and and what i hope to share with the world my gifts um that if they ever become profitable uh significantly after i'm gone um that that it's that i did the work in the absence of having a lot of a big budget for lawyers and all that i just basically diy life hacked my way through doing estate planning and and setting up these invisible invisible structures so several years ago i did um research the appropriate jurisdictional um permutations of a last will and i went through that process uh for zero money it it required the signature of two non-interested uh witnesses and um certain parameters to be uh present in the document um and uh and that laid out a strategy for my all of my assets to be distributed to shall I say the folks in my in my life who I feel like are most um, most in alignment with um, the perpetuation of my values and my work and uh, you know leave that uh, leave that at leave it at that for now uh, but that original will that I that I uh, kind of did the ad-libbing, so to speak, on, you know, you take the, the template and make sure it's in the right fucking state and make sure that, uh, you know, it's current and that there it doesn't... It basically make sure to the best of my ability that it was going to hold water. Uh, 
in the eyes of a probate court, which I didn't even know what that was at the time. Uh, I just said, okay, well, you better have it. It's better to have it than not. And uh, you better specify, you know, your intentions uh, in it very clearly. Um, so having, I, I had done that. And then I, you know, I, I gave copies to the, uh, to the, the beneficiaries and, uh, and thought that that was all fine and good, um, for, for a while. And then, you know, lo and behold, you, as you can imagine, uh, life happens, people change and you start to kind of, you know, have to revisit it. And people, I don't know, I don't know what the record is for the most number, (laughs) the highest number of revised, last wills uh of anybody who you know but uh, there's so many funny like stories like even rain man you know uh <laughs> the way the way you can get um uh you know disowned uh in in the language of a will you know like that a lot of people have very painful painful personal stories about how that that goes down and there's a lot there can be a lot of fuckery in that process and a lot of um treachery of course you know that's a a, a classic uh, theme within crime dramas, you know, and it's and, and in reality, it's 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 a real thing. So I I'm trying not to not to get caught up in all that. I just want to fight the good fight and and, and empower people, you know, uh, to continue that legacy in their own ways. But sometimes, you know, what if we have a falling out, or what if they change, or what if, um, you know, the, what are the what ifs? So. So I, I had to start thinking through a more robust strategy that would be more dynamic and more um, agile to, to deal with the inevitability of like things changing, you know, for whatever reason. So um, or people just like falling out of touch, you know, I mean, the, the, just the, the way this stuff is even written in, in the laws and the way that the documents are prepared, it's like... <laughs> how can you rely on these people being contacted at their address? I mean, how can you rely? Uh, yeah, the, you know, there's, there's certain factors that are pretty permanent as far as getting hold, getting all the people right or identifying people and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's, uh, if you're not really rich now, you know, <laughs> then it's difficult to really, um, how can you really, you can't like, what rich people do is that they they hire third parties to administer all of this stuff. If it's a, a will, it goes through the probate court. Or if it's a trust, then they could have a executor uh, or a trustee or a, a successor trustee who is um, actually more more um, no, part of a corporation, part of a part of an interested an interested party where they're representing an organization that's actually itself going to perpetuate because it's because it's been around for hundreds of years doing estate planning litigation estate planning document drafting and that their their ability to not fuck up in the paperwork and their ability to as a trusted entity that's been established and probably will be around indefinitely these parallel entities you know that's a luxury so how do you how do you protect your assets in perpetuity if you're not rich but you but you might you might have value in your estate after you're gone or you might have a little bit of wealth but you don't want to spend 
half of it on all of these um, service providers. That's what I am on. I'm, I'm in that level of the path. And maybe someday while I'm alive and competent, I will have so much money that I can have all of my documents redone by trained professionals and have their let their ass on the line and them liable and them, you know, accountable for having everything done, you know, to a T the way it's laid out. Um, but, uh, for now it's, it's, I'm not going to say I'm winging it. I'm saying I'm doing my, my best, um, to do it DIY. And, uh, and, and it's very interesting now that I am finally not only just hoping that maybe I'll have some posthumous royalties coming in that should go somewhere to somebody or some some buddies that I think are going to carry out you know the mission of uh things that I'm into like permaculture um now it's more than that now it's actually real property now it's actually you know because because I went from writing a will when I was broke to the best of my ability you know, hoping that it would protect my posthumous potential asset appreciation um, to now a situation where, A, I realized that that wasn't sufficient um, and I needed to get more advanced because people would, you know, I might have a falling out with them or they might, you know, join a cult or disappear or get get in a relationship where they can't talk to a man anymore like so i i needed to be able to say like hey i'm i'm you know i'm probably i'm gonna make an update to this or i just want to check in like make sure we have a line of communication and if that fails i get really nervous because i do not want the state to take all of my value in perpetuity and just stick it in their pocket to go and subvert all of my subversion and take and and basically pave over all of my gardens and paint over all of my sort of cultural graffiti as, as it were um with my own money like that's the i that was the irony that started to drive me crazy so i started thinking about okay how can i subdivide the terms of a will i need to update this will people are not responding that freaks me out so you know there was a bit of a a bit of a bit of a, a crime drama not crime drama but a bit of intrigue around a next iteration of a will where i where i was um just kind of surveying okay well who's left like who's left on the island you know this isn't a cult i mean i don't have followers i don't have like 50 wives i mean i don't have children i mean it's just to me it comes down to who do i know who's still in the fighting the good fight who didn't give up or quit or sell out from the old school values of diy eco-punk you know that's what it really comes down to so you know that number is getting or that, that that list is getting shorter and shorter because you know i'm not as social as i used to be and i don't know you know it's like so who who even wants to have the burden of being on a document you know that's my will you know like they don't have to take anything from it they can they can turn their back on it 100 percent. they're not they're not signing anything to be in it they're just listed as a beneficiary or whatever. So, you know, I'm going through this process of elimination. Like, who who do I, who do I um, uh, gift 
my estate too and you know and, and and especially now like okay there's something there's something there and it's real and there's real you know there's real assets under management of my own that I want to pass on and there's real property etc cetera, etc cetera. and um you know if I don't bankrupt myself by getting a million dollar covid bill or injuring myself in a, you know or, or if as long as I'm extremely careful and, and extra cautious now that there is a nest egg to pass on you know that can possibly can grow you know exponentially even while I'm alive and it will definitely continue to grow after I'm gone now it becomes a bigger deal and a bigger responsibility to have this robust strategy so I'm I'm looking around for I'm racking my brain who can I you know um really trust you know uh no pun intended and uh that one iteration got really wonky to where it it just it 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 was like um i'm not going to go into the details about it but i will say like uh it, it can distort things you know it can it can distort things a lot um because then it's like, oh, am I beholden? Now, now, if I'm on, if I was never on it, it'd almost be better because now that I'm on it, now I have to worry about what happens, what conditions would have to happen for me not to be on it. So, you know what I mean? That's what I say. The grass is greener. These are problems that poor people don't fucking have to think about. And uh, it's more about like, uh, fuck, how much debt am I going to leave behind? But no, this is in the positive. This is in the green. And like I said, if I'm careful, I don't fuck up. There will be some significant, you know, value to pass on. So, you know, I I could say that uh, I I lost a friend over this process, at least for now. Maybe that'll change. But it made me very, like, sad that, like, oh, now this happens to a lot of people and a lot of people talk about it. Like, you get wealthy, you you know, you you bump up... uh, you bump you you become socially upwardly mobile you bump up a tax bracket you're going to lose some friends because they're going to hate you and they're not going to be able to hang the same way because the stuff that they're going to complain about is going to be different i'll be complaining about you know the cost of lawyers to look over a a trust document and they're going to be complaining about what their boss told them to do coming in you know on a weekend or whatever so like it's tough and and i'm there and i've already had to say to myself don't let that happen again so i'm pretty much only associating with people and friends who who can commiserate on this level and who are in this game and um luckily you know it's not (laughs) the boom of uh of you know of uh of crypto wealth um you know hang on for dear life, you know, uh, and, and try not to get hacked or robbed, uh, or do something stupid and make a bad trade. But like, you know, um, that's, that's really, I traded a lot more than crypto by joining the crypto revolution. I traded out of the, um, the sort of victim mentality of, of self-imposed the ghetto, they call it the anarchist ghetto, you know what I mean? For a reason, like, and then the, the crabs in the barrel thing. So, you know, that's been painful. It's, I think for me, the process is almost completely done over with, like no more haters, no more cryptophobics that want to fucking hate on me. And, um, you know, God has blessed everybody and, you know, maybe we'll come around, but it's like, I'll always be there to, 
People ask me what the secret of my success was. You know, it was my absolute adoration and love for the geniuses behind crypto who I fall in love with because of their compelling personalities on their YouTube videos. You know, that's my secret. Like, I fell in love with a lot of geniuses through YouTube, and now I get to be like a devotee of these gods of of um, technology, and I dare say ever more green and ever more more um, sustainable crypto technology but um but back to the the estate planning um so it's interesting that what that if you keep that positive mindset of uh you know the the, the antidote is in the poison there's a silver lining yeah etc etc the silver lining and the antidote of that that moment of like real agonizing painful like breaking up with a friend over over inviting them to be in a will like that that's pretty that's, that's a mind fuck you know it's it, it, for for everybody so but what that led to because it was like well <laughs> as, the, as my as my uh my um podcast military mentors would say charlie mike you know continue mission <laughs> so yeah i had to soldier on in this journey after that knowing okay well that was painful i don't want to repeat that but i have to i have to continue on this journey and now well if it's not them i gotta i gotta i gotta work with people who are going to want to play ball with me on this who are going to fucking see that this is serious shit and it's like i am scared by this i am it's my first rodeo i don't know how to do this right like i need someone to be very i need to work with people who are willing to be somewhat forgiving and somewhat understanding and 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 you know appreciate the 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 to me this is like there's not like there's not a lot of people that come from my my uh tribe of punk that that ever got out of the ghetto you know that ever 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 stopped spare changing for drug and beer money you know that so for me to try to hold on to that tribe and those ethics and those values of anti-capitalism and <laughs> egalitarianism fierce egalitarianism and then to have a little bit of a come up, it's it's difficult and I'm not going to know how to do everything right, you know. And I'm certainly not going to go and join the country club and go be a, a posh, you know, like driving a Lambo person either. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in a I'm in an awkward I'm in an awkward paradox and I need people to work with me and uh, and, and I'm willing to pay them and I have paid them, you know, and um, part of the ending of that last uh thing was that um was just like okay well fuck i guess um i guess things just have to be a lot more a lot more lot less about friend friendliness and more about just business all right so you know i don't want to be asking people to do favors and take time out of their lives i just want to be like all right this is the budget i have for this thing project whatever let's try to move forward um and so anyway what 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 yielded the silver lining the antidote from that that falling out experience was that i was just doing more research and thinking okay 
I got to continue the mission. So what, you know, I just kept researching and, and, and I stumbled upon this concept of a revocable living trust. And, and it was the biggest, like, oh shit, aha, revelatory experience almost of my life. This talk about invisible structures, like the invisible fucking meat grinder, the invisible financial imprisonment, impoundment of wealth that is the probate court system and the fucking racket that that whole thing is. I had no fucking idea and I wouldn't have known anything about it. And I'm so fucking glad, you know, um, that things shook out the way they did for me to discover the revocable living trust. And it took only like a day of binging on, you know, um, long duration YouTube videos to find amazing tutelage around what a revocable living trust is, why, most importantly, how and why it is a better strategy in almost every imaginable case and actually is complementary and not replacement for a, a, a will. So, I'm not giving uh, estate planning advice, but I will say what my what my analysis is and what my strategy is based on what I learned. So, most importantly, it allows you a revocable living trust allows you to, while you're alive and competent or under whatever terms you specify, basically, you can amend it a million times it doesn't matter as long as you are alive competent or whatever conditions you put on that on yourself you are as while you are alive you are basically um you are the sole partner you're the, you're the sole partner in a in a in a, in a, in, a, in a in the enterprise the sort of i'm not going to say the word um corporation but basically just say like the you know the um the vehicle, the uh, well, the financial entity that that has property and assets, like you, the entity, it's comprised of you solely until you die or you become incapacitated, or until you declare that you are um, that the, that the trust is now irrevocable at, at whatever point it is. The, the idea is that like. It's a, you can amend it up until a certain condition, and that's usually death or, or incapacitation. But it seems like, from my understanding where I'm at now, don't quote me, but it seems like, and I will have to get more legal professional advice on this, but it seems like a very interesting application of this idea that you can have a, you know, a, a, a basically, for all intents and purposes, a, a, a something like a will that specifies who would be the beneficiaries of 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 uh the different the different assets within your estate but also who will who will maintain the trust and either dissolve it or continue it after you're gone so it's basically like a a grant foundation of sorts where while you're alive you get to you know switch around whoever's listed as beneficiaries you get to change the parameters of it and then when you're gone or when you specify the condition that's met then it 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 lives on its own and you're separate from it and uh again most cases because you're dead and gone but it can as an entity persist the way 
any business that interest that you would have if you were in a corporation or a partnership business just because you die doesn't mean that 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 has to fold and 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 uh and and sell off all its assets and and liquidate itself and dissolve like as if it was in a merger a hostile takeover by the probate courts (laughs) you don't have to dissolve your um your company when you, your company doesn't dissolve when one of the employees or one of the partners dies or founders dies. It, it is allowed to carry on and therefore there's no judge, there's no sheriff, there's nobody who comes and repossesses all of the freaking furniture and computers and fleet vehicles of a business just because the founder died. The business is structured so it can perpetuate and carry on. And so a revocable living trust, unlike a will, which a will basically is just like, okay, snapshot of your assets when you're gone, a bit of instructions as far as who to dispense things out to and who gets to take control and ownership of things. And maybe, you know, there's accounts that can be taken over and then uh, those accounts individually can live on in the, in, in the hands of whoever they're assigned to. But the idea of like, um, of having a, a a diversified portfolio of assets that 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 are managed the way you would manage them, or you know, that that doesn't exist with a will. A will doesn't work that way. It doesn't. It's not. It basically is just. It's just a mechanism to have some say so in how the government divides up your property after the government formally takes legal possession of it and puts it into probate court jail where it's basically impounded until somebody shows up with your will and the will hopefully holds water in court but you have but those people the beneficiaries often the executor and beneficiaries are going to have to pay exorbitant amounts of legal fees in order to have their day in court to petition to get the things that were repossessed by the probate by the by the system by the state to get them to release them and retitle them to who is listed in the will so basically you're going to have a divorce court with yourself (laughs) it's what it fucking comes down to you're having a divorce you're having a and if you don't, if you die intestate, then the court takes everything and they hold on to it and people have to come and then they have a, um, a, uh, whatever the judicial, whatever the, the, uh, jurisdiction is, they have their own statutes that govern a sort of standardized way that it breaks down. And I just went through a bar exam, um, crash course, uh, study prep, um, program just so I could just study up on any of these terms and have them sort of osmosis sink in a little bit and it went through on a fucking whiteboard the mapping out the flow chart of how the uh the sort of statutory probate court um dispensements from a, a intestate uh distribution uh disbursement of funds and properties goes like how how it works through the bloodline and back and forth and this and that and ifs and that's and, and it's like it's as complicated as any computer algorithm i've ever heard of and uh and this is just yeah i mean so you know i say it's a racket but really you know if i was to give everybody the benefit of the doubt lawyers judges court systems the state, the way they handle 
repossessing property of the deceased. That's a shit show. And, you know, maybe they should get paid a lot to do that. And maybe there is a lot to consider. Maybe there is a lot of treachery. And so, like, you know, I, I should be a little bit more gentle and kind to the system in the sense that, like, yeah, it's a fucking nightmare. But maybe it's that way for a good reason. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's, you know, it's not, it's as much of a racket as it appears to be. Really, if you don't like it, which I don't like the idea of that, I don't like the idea that uh, whatever assets are in my name, when I die, with or without a will, they all get intrinsically, immediately possessed by the state and then people have to come and spend money to hire lawyers to fight the state in court basically to interpret the will as they would like it to be interpreted or to wait for the months or years it can take for the probate court to use their own standardized system to dispense and to carve up the uh and 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 split up the assets based on their own um their own defaults uh if you're intestate so to me like god if there was a way to avoid that of course i would be all for it and i just had no clue until that day i'm i'm just looking around online and i find this revocable living trust so miraculously the way that it works you know roughly speaking to my limited knowledge and understanding is that you 100% bypass all of that court fuckery and you give them a break too because hey like less clogging the system that's great so and the way that that works is that <laughs> it's so funny the way this works what you have to do after you create the trust document that is the the official um basically it's like it's like articles of incorporation for your personal estate it's 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 a formalized document with formal language that has to be in there based on you know the jurisdiction that it's that it's written in and that it's going to be uh, executed in but uh but it's just a piece of fucking paper it's just a document or you know a number of pieces of paper or a pdf as it were that gets notarized and becomes a certificate of trust and it has a date, and each time you revise it, you keep a track of the, 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 the revision. So it's kind of like this, like a Merkle tree, and, and you can, I mean, well, I'm not going to get into the blockchain stuff, but like, it's very interesting that you have this chain of revisions that are cross-referenced in the headers, uh, sort of like a, a blockchain, but uh, but so so that there is a reference point to all the you know changes that you've made revisions you've made over time but basically again yeah when when it when it's revocable until it's not <laughs> at which point whatever the last version most current version was as long as that's in the right hands you know uh copies with your lawyer copies with the beneficiaries uh the successor trustees and whatnot um then they're not going to be fighting over discrepancies because they're going to have a canonical up-to-date document. And instead of going to the judge to go and petition to get your assets distributed to them as per the document of the trust, you're going to... You're going to the bank, you're going to the county recording office for land, you're going to the... Um, the uh, 
crypto accounts, whatever, like you're interfacing with, with, um, within the professional sphere, going, bypassing the whole probate court thing and just saying like, oh, guess what? The trust is now is like a business entity that continues with the officers uh, left behind to continue to conduct and carry on the interests of that of that ent- of that entity that enterprise and they can either liquidate it sell it off or if there's terms binding them for who they have to give different assets to as beneficiaries um or 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 if they have obligate or if they're given the opportunity no uh nothing coercive or nothing by obligation but they will be given granted the opportunity to let's say carry on the investments or carry on the the projects um that are that are that that were titled in the name of the trust while I was alive so here is the most important thing that I learned about this is that and the biggest thing that people do wrong, the biggest mistake that's made and warned against is that you may spend a little bit of money or a lot of money to get your trust document um, notari- written and notarized. And therefore, it's, you know, the if one or more iterations of it are, are official, you might do that for for a little bit of money or a lot of money. But you can make a mistake. Anybody can make the mistake of thinking that that acts the way a will would act. And in other words, the trust doesn't intrinsically hold any assets just because you create it. The trust is just, it's almost like a DBA. It's in the sense that you the certificate of trust establishes the name of it and of course if you want to get really complicated with all the parameters of it you can get as 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 designer and and as as you want you know you can get very very advanced and you know like they call them trust funds there's rules and when and how and why and where and who gets what and what if they do or don't do this or that you can get as granular as you want uh, which is exciting to me about like programming the ethics of permaculture into a trust, a, a living trust where it says like, get to the point where you either, you know, can perpetuate the assets of the trust using permaculture ethics, or you are replaced by another successor who will. And there's some form of, um, authority and supervision to, to maintain the integrity of the trust. All those things, have to be baked in if you if you want it to not be like in the example in that uh, bar exam prep was like they have this classic green acre example for the fact patterns of um of of uh of um of, of adjudicating this litigating this stuff and so <laughs> so there's this like quintessential green acre property that's used as sort of the the test case to to look at the different examples of what can happen and how you have to know the you know the terms and the and the procedures for it and uh and one the thing was okay the interest uh the the uh 
possessory interest in Greenacre will be transferred by deed to the future uh, interested party uh, under the terms and conditions that uh, they will continue to farm the land and should they do something like try to drop a strip mall on the land then they will lose that uh, interest in the land as per this legal document instrument and then they will be uh, the land will then be titled to somebody uh, as an alternate who who will be also mandated to use the land for farming purposes so it's very algorithmic uh, if then else type logic baked into how you would um, how you would enforce these these, these inv- perennial invisible structures of estate planning and uh, so it's very fascinating um, as I'm l- learning about like oh like people really you can't just hate lawyers and make dumb lawyer jokes you have to <laughs> like spend some time appreciating this like um uh very very like it's a workout it's it's yoga for me for my mind to like have to try to keep up with all these different permutations of logic it's very it's very fascinating and very intriguing and i think it's like um all the cynicism that people have about about all this stuff like um I'm 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 having to eat some words and and I want to apologize if I've ever been like flippant towards the legal system because more of it than I than I ever appreciated before is actually there to to really protect um the integrity of 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 honorable um intentions you know and that's pretty broad but it's like of course i can think of a million ways where that's abused to serve evil um by law that it's they're allowed to do what they do a lot of evil corporations but like looking at the roots of a lot of this common law stuff criminal procedures and contract law and it's basically acknowledging like how fucking pitiful and how disgracefully manipulative and and um and deceitful people can be it's just like this interesting hedge against against human nature and and it's so evolved over so many different attacks on on like um good faith you know so i think it's fucking extremely fascinating and i'm enjoying the process of learning about it more than i ever thought i would like yeah there's some dry aspects to it but what's so fascinating is just like how much you learn about human nature and how much of a an exercise in just philosophy it is to be thinking through like wow all of these parameters when you like reveal the the structure of these of these 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 intricate laws like all these sections and all these just all that legalese like it's there it's there for a reason and uh and it gets hammered out and evolves over time over over precedence it's, it's just it's just fascinating so you know i'm not trying to make a sales pitch for it but i will say like um i did defend myself in court one time as a as a uh, peaceful I was I was arrested and taken into custody during a peaceful demonstration and uh, I would say 
wrongfully arrested and I was in a sort of group trial where some for some reason the pro bono lawyers uh, guild they had me they had me they had a lawyer for me representing me in the beginning of the trial and then something got handled wrong and then all of a sudden that disappeared and so I had to like step up and defend myself and I got to have the experience of uh, writing up a defense uh, and uh, cross-examining my arresting officer and basically uh, using the DA's own evidence to to get myself uh, uh, to get the charges dropped because I was able to point out uh, <laughs> some obvious things in the police footage that uh, that contradicted the police report and therefore they threw they threw my case out and most of the other people got got off as well not because of me but just because the whole thing was was bullshit but <laughs> but I had that experience and uh, you know um, Yeah, I I feel like uh, I want to say it left a good taste in my mouth or a bad taste in my mouth, but it did. Hey, that was uh, that was my first victory in court, you know. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to be a lawyer or spend a lot of time in court, but I will say, like, um, yeah, it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing. And by and by all means, anything you can do to be to to a avoid any of it and b be prepared and be intelligent about it, about this reality that we are in a very highly litigious world where like everybody wants to sue everybody who has, you know, two pennies to rub together. And there's a whole class of, uh, there's a whole ecology of parasitic ambulance chasers and whatnot. Like it's just, it's a bigger part of our reality than than I think most people acknowledge, and then the people who get caught up in it, not just like murderers, but just like people's fucking petty, petty squabbles, and uh, you know, um, what do they call them? Uh, uh, small claims and everything. It's like people can be people can be really in toxic shadow states for years and years of their lives, and people get chewed up and spit out and put. It's just like the more you know kind of a thing right it's the, <laughs> like uh knowledge is power in this regard and if anything i'm developing more and more appreciation for it because because if you can i'm learning that if i can learn if i can master it like a martial art you know master it like something that you would care to master that you're interested in in mastering then um you know like I said, I don't want to practice law, but I do. I want to have intelligent conversations with whoever I'm hiring, or goddess forbid, I have a public defender for something because I'm at, in that kind of trouble. But that I will be able to like be a, a benefit to them, help them do their job, and not just like be at the mercy of whatever they feel like. Like I, I could do legal research. I could point out things i could um understand precedents and know how to do legal research and whatnot so anyway i'm having i'm having a, a, a an interesting time really like doing the invisible structures due diligence that uh that'll make me a better permaculture designer and a better representative of permaculture if i'm more more intelligent like for example looking at the codes like understanding my the limitations and the the lines that you can 
elegantly stay under like okay there you know you can be flippant towards towards all of the um the zoning laws and the building codes or you can take it as a hint to say if they specify a certain parameter that starts and stops at a certain numeric value then carte blanche anything under that is granted without permits and there sometimes that's clearly specified sometimes it's implied but it but it's like at least i know at least i'm not going to get clobbered and blindsided and have tons of money and tons of work be undermined and actually become a liability to where oh you put something you installed something that cost you a lot of time and money and energy and now every day that it's there after it's been discovered by the state, you know, then they're going to fine you the cost that it, they're going to fine you the amount it costs for you to put it in every day until you remove it. And removing it is going to cost you twice (laughs) what what it took to put it in. Like, that's why it really, it pays and it saves to not, to not be, um, shooting from the hip and winging it with with everything and and now i have more more responsibilities and more duties not just for myself not just for my own wanting not wanting to get um bankrupted by some bullshit lawsuit you know like or fines but because i want to leave a legacy and i want to leave a healthy and diversified investment portfolio and more most importantly a healthy permaculture site and hopefully multiple sites all around the world i want all of them to be compliant with invisible structures and and based and and, and facilitated by um internal invisible structures that are compatible and in compliance with the 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 external invisible structures and that can be perennial because by design and so to me the first most important thing is to understand going back to the big mistake of most trust or not not most trust but a big mistake that's easy to make in the trust uh process is the idea thinking that okay now the trust exists so it's just a given that all of my assets live in that trust and that trust is um is legally uh financially empowered to basically just envelop all of my assets just because i made the trust even if you say that in the trust it would not be um it would not be executable unless you this is the key thing you have to retitle whatever assets you want to live in that trust have to be retitled to the name of the trust so i for example purchased a vehicle recently and i titled the 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 owner of the vehicle the title of the vehicle is in the name of the trust it's not in my name which is so fucking interesting and fascinating and how this i had i've established a corporation before i've worked in corporations i i am not like a i'm certainly not a corporate lawyer i'm certainly not like well versed in the minutiae of like all that goes into the compliance of um of establishing a corporation but but the, but i'll tell you this from this is this is the real like visceral experience 
looking at the registration card of this new vehicle that I purchased and having the name of my trust be what it's registered to, be what it is the, what it is titled to, that was the first time I really felt like this perennial invisible structure of my my life's work being able to be perpetuated beyond myself and um and i never felt like yeah you write a will but what if people what there's a lot of what ifs to that you know but if the trust is it's a, it's 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 actionable while i'm alive to be titling things in the name of the trust therefore that trust exists there are people listed who are who are officially allowed to walk into the bank and say i'm signing as a trustee of xyz trust and uh and so you can now send me the checks or I will be writing checks or I'm going to close the account or I'm going to open a new account in the name of the trust. But the trust is this like ghost of me that gets to live on forever as long as it's solvent it really is what it comes down to. So now I have the, 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 the pleasure and the duty and responsibility to remain solvent personally, to clean up all of my debts. So there's no, um, liabilities or liens against the trust when I die and basically uh, hope that what hope that on the year that I die it's uh, April 16th after I paid taxes that year and I made no money on that 24-hour period between April 15th and 16th and then I die and then the IRS won't have to come and badger the successor trustees for my final tax year payment because guess what the only thing that's uh, you know guaranteed in life is death and taxes. I'm going to say it goes like this. Taxes, death, and more taxes because there's going to be taxes on your uh, <laughs> on your assets. There's going to be taxes. There's going to be your final tax year of your life that you won't be filing if you're dead. And so, you know, uh, the system chews up and spits people out and just grinds through the generations to perpetuate itself for better or for worse and like i said you know for some benevolent and some malevolent reasons but it is what it is and what's beautiful about this living revocable living trust like the best kept secret something that i think is like i said the most important revelatory thing of like wow i can actually it's the most anarchist thing i could ever do and it's the most capitalist thing i could ever do but um but wow, you know, uh, again, I'm grateful to the to the, the the people who 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 make this very expensive knowledge like available for free online, and um, you know, I have a list of the people I learned this from, and certainly I will be sending business their way or maybe hiring them when it when the time is right. Um, I will definitely shout out one person, Ali Katz. A-L-I-K-A-T-Z who is probably the most in alignment of people I've found so far. I'm not an affiliate. I'm not paying for any of her work. I found some of her podcasts and interviews and I feel like she is one of the more of like the you know I, I don't want to you know, I don't want to pigeonhole or anything but I would say like somebody who is uh who <laughs> knows her shit with 
what is she has she has a number of very insightful mantras i don't know if i can remember it right now um your legal your financial and your i don't know i can't i can't remember she's got she's got a she's got like her 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 spiels and stuff but um but 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 she's got it she's she's down with crypto she's down with the earth she's down with um you know crossing your t's dotting your i's and and really thinking through this this stuff so that you don't get blindsided and and you don't have all of your intentions subverted you know um and 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 basically usurped (laughs) like that's a nightmare to think about i want to rest in peace you know damn it like (laughs) and so and i want to live in peace and so doing these things now i realize it's fun it was prescribed in the permaculture designers manual in the pdc you got to get this stuff right you got to get the invisible invisible structures right and now i'm having the pleasure of um you know uh, of uh of learning how to do this so that i feel like i'm gonna leave uh, i'm gonna leave a a a solvent (laughs) a solvent legacy that's also perennial and regenerative a regenerative and invisible structure and um and 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 there's yeah you would have you know going back to like what i know about a will and a trust it's like okay so now i'm in the process of doing what a lot of people are negligent about doing which is whatever you want to have the successor trustees empowered to own and to uh to operate and to uh make decisions about you better you better retitle them from your name to the name of the trust and whatever assets you acquire from now on from the point of the trust existing uh in in into the future whatever i buy will be also put in the name of the trust um, if I wanted to go that route, which which I I don't see why I wouldn't. So, future land purchases, future vehicle pur- purchases, um, various investment accounts, etc. Uh, etc. Et like to be able to put them in the name of the trust basically just means that I spent a lot of time with representatives from my bank going going through the the minutia of like what do they need from me. What are they going to ask of when someone comes to tell them I've got a death certificate and I'm a trustee and I'm going to take over? What do they need to have? What's all, all that stuff is all templated and and like they they they're they're happy to you know to farm you out to their partner so that you pay tons of money to do stuff you could do yourself and you know I'm not going to say it's all bad and wrong to do that but for me you know I'm still you know. I have a bigger budget, but I'm still on a budget, and I I don't see my. I'd rather buy seeds, you know, than 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 pay for, you know, a, a third party company to like, to to do things. I feel like I can just research how to do uh, online, and so you know, I'm empowered in that way. But it was very interesting to go through the process of like, okay, my music royalties. How does that funnel into the trust? Okay, there's 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 a methodology to do that. Um, there's a way to use a will to basically like uh, to be like a catch-all uh, to funnel things into the trust. So basically, whatever whatever I didn't put, whatever I forgot to or didn't like, whatever whatever wasn't 
perfectly retitled into the name of the trust, if my intention is that I don't want, like I'm putting everything into the trust, I don't, and maybe there'll be multiple trusts and different routings of different things to different trusts in the future. But for now, for the sake of simplicity, there's one trust. Everything I own or will own will be going into that trust unless I change the terms of it. But the margin for error that gets uh, hedged by having the will is to say, well, if I just have a fucking will and the will says everything I own goes to the trust and that will is uh, it holds water, then whatever got held back for whatever reason uh, in the probate court system only thing that will be specified is that that trust, as long as it's solvent and people are stepping up to uh, to um, to be be compensated to to maintain it, you know, and to be managing the assets within it and carrying on the mission uh, specified within it, then then all that would happen is that that catch-all funnel would just funnel whatever straggling assets uh, uh, didn't get ma- didn't make it officially into the trust uh, title into the trust and they just basically get funneled into it I'm not saying that as advice um, but I'm I, I do know that it's like not advisable to to say oh great I've got a revocable living trust I don't need a will no the will is 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 important recourse backup uh, and a strategic way to to make sure to funnel everything into that trust that maybe didn't get in there properly or in a timely manner or whatnot. Um, so, no, I, I don't want to... I just want to give that as food for thought. <laughs> if you only have a will or you only have a trust, look into having both. I will give that bit of advice. And if you don't have either and you're interested in permaculture and perennial systems and you know better that you're supposed to be working with and building your own working with the existing external menacing vector of outside influencing energies that are the invisible structures of the state and you want to do the permaculture as sedition uh, pathway then you need to draft your own uh, invisible structure, legal entities that hold water, so that you have some form of a immunity to um, to the fuckery of uh, of the state and and, and other entities. Uh, it's very important. So, you know, that's probably m- more than enough to say. Just getting uh, the topic um, planted here, and then like as I progress, if I return to this topic in the future, it's probably going to be to talk about. Uh, maybe even to actually read the anonymized, i.e., not giving away people's names that are in the trust, but but uh, but basically read the um, the uh, the mechanical aspects of how I continue to evolve the language of it based on permaculture design, where there are like stipulations to how certain assets can be used and what the ethics. Uh, are to be followed for the use of of, of assets and uh, and and how the sort of politics and the checks and balances within the individuals, the sort of um, consensus voting structures and whatnot, and and certainly how this all is going to be interwoven into the Cardano blockchain for Cardano trusts because <laughs> fuck 
the probate courts and even fuck the banks and all their paperwork that I'm doing and dealing with if my estate runs on the rails of Cardano or at least the investable digital assets are are basically are basically locked up into smart contracts that are well uh, certified, vetted, and and uh, and audited. Then basically, it doesn't matter where I am in the world. It doesn't matter what jurisdictions are doing. That I can I can uh, be a multi jurisdictional compliant with smart contracts, and I can also um, have very sophisticated what's called dead a dead man switch or or dead man switches where very interesting things happen if I have an untimely death and, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, uh, like troll, troll the, uh, three letter agencies with the dead man switch, uh, mystique, uh, at this, at this time. Um, there's, there's, there's nothing, nothing, uh, that interesting about what I would have in mind for a dead man switch as far as like, you know, a payload of leaked documents, like, no, nah, I don't, I'm not that, uh, I'm not that much of a person of interest. Um, uh, I'm not that much of a, a bond villain or anything. Um, n- nowhere near approaching, you know, the, uh, Assange's and the, uh, McAfee's of the world. But, uh, but I like the idea that, um, you know, certain, um, programmatically using blockchain technology, certain smart contracts could be executed upon the verification of my death to where maybe, um, you know, maybe, maybe certain memoirs come out that I wouldn't have felt comfortable being released while I was alive, you know, maybe, um, you know, for, uh, without making that too mysterious, you know, it could just be like, uh, Hey, maybe there's stuff where like, I want to, um, you know, I want to, uh, disclose things about myself that I wouldn't have wanted to disclose while I was alive or whatever. Um, just for the sake of maybe there, maybe I have thought, maybe I have thoughts that are ahead of their time in some way, shape or form. And, uh, Hey, for example, yeah, I have, I have, I have a lot of material that I think would be would be controversial that I don't think the world is ready to hear and but but I will be happy to have it be sitting in an encrypted smart contract where the decryption keys are um, released upon uh, an oracle that that specifies that I have actually died or for example a simpler way to do it is to say I either check in to uh, the smart contract once every six months or whatever. And if I fail to then take that to mean in blockchain world that I'm dead and therefore release the decryption keys and therefore my, you know, writings that I thought were ahead of their time get to be released while I'm already pretty much assuredly dead and gone. So that's, that's a very like, um, you know, that's a very respectable business use case around what's called a dead man switch. It's not all about like James Bond intrigue. It could be something like that. Just like, hey, you know what? There's things that I, that I want to say and be better if I said them after I'm dead and gone and uh, put them on a blockchain encrypted and decrypt them after a, you know, conditional point is met. And uh, boom, there you have it. So um, anyway, fun, fun, interesting stuff. That's why I I do feel like um, permaculture 
on the Cardano blockchain and uh, and Cardano uh, movement um, merging with the permaculture movement is going to be where I'm going to be betting. Uh, that's the horse I'm betting on. Um, that's the that's the boxer I'm going to bet on. That's the fight I'm going to be in, and I'm going to try to yeah I'm tra- try to um, um, yeah give it my best shot in that in that I feel like it's uh, the ultimate quintessential manifestation and highest expression of Chapter 14 of the Permaculture Designer's Manual is happening right now on the Cardano blockchain, and I can I can tell you why if you ask and uh, <laughs> and. Um, and I will out myself as being the one who asked Jeff Lawton via the expert counsel um, on the on the survival podcast with Jack Spearco. I was the one who gave a leading question to Jeff about whether he believed that green, whether he w- would be willing to entertain the notion that Bitcoin and its energy consumption and conspiratorial conspiracy theory origins could be transcended by a greener, leaner blockchain technology that would be able to ethically facilitate everything in chapter 14 and beyond. And, and he, he, he was not as receptive as I hoped he would be. But Jack came to the defense of the spirit of my question and, and, and actually, I would say, overruled a bit of, of, of Lawton's uh, misgivings towards crypto and blockchain at the time and, and, and was able to like fill in those blanks around what is happening now. And that was, I don't know, years ago now. I don't know how, maybe one or two years ago. But the prophecy was that proof of stake was going to make a greener blockchain future and that everybody who was cringing in the permaculture movement about the atrocity that is the Bitcoin proof of work system or proof of work period, whether it's solar powered or fucking volcano powered or what the landfill footprint and the carbon footprint of ASIC mining (laughs) and proof of work blockchains is like not compatible with earth care, people care and return of surplus. However, Piggybacking on existing infrastructure with a lightweight proof-of-stake consensus algorithm that, for example, Cardano is running, that that makes it very interesting. And that was the question that was begged by me writing in to that show to ask uh, politely, with all due respect, if Jeff thought that there was room for this space to evolve in a greener direction... And I think if he's not a believer now, then I have more work to do. And I would love, 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 love to see, uh, again, the um, the Cardano community uh, help to facilitate Chapter 14 in an ever more um, uh, self-aware manner. Because it's being done, <laughs> like, without... Uh, representing permaculture per se, but but it is um, yeah it's it's on it's on us. That's why I say like you you study permaculture. Permaculture movement needs lawyers. It needs Haskell programming language 
coding developers. It needs Cardano smart contract uh, blockchain developers. And, um, you know, I've been studying the Bitcoin movement for years now, and I know a bit of the short list of who's who of people who have ever mentioned permaculture in any of the in any of the blockchain projects and and whatnot uh in 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 the in the sort of crypto media sphere and um yeah it's um it's going to be very 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 interesting as tax reporting on chain or, or or sort of like apps for crypto tax reporting evolve apps for drag and drop revocable living trust blockchain uh estate planning interfaces and apps evolve and um yeah it's all basically at our fingertips it's getting closer and closer to being like literally drag and drop dummy proof uh smart contract um drag and drop interfaces that make everything I'm talking about not require as much as much time to research all the minutiae and it's just kind of like all you're going to need literally all it comes down to is Alice and Bob's uh addresses on the on the Cardano blockchain you know so where do you route the money and under what conditions and under what computer program logic and and more and more that is going to be facilitating the the uh it's going to be disintermediary disintermediating and obsoletizing probate court estate planning lawyers and all of the banking infrastructure that makes it like as much of a clusterfuck as it's been for me to get in the game and it's going to empower people at the lowest economic levels to be able to make sense of how they manage the farm that they put all their effort into and i will end this by invoking the divine name of yakuba who brought me to tears in the documentary about the man who stopped the desert by using the zai method to plant trees in compost and uh, manure pits uh, aided with the partnership of termites so that you could green the desert and establish food forests in the worst drought conditions on earth in the driest places on earth just by partnering with um with organic matter and with um strategies to uh to capture and harvest uh, rainwater and whatnot i was brought to tears at the end of that because i could commiserate with the feeling of putting all of your life's work into something that even your own family doesn't really care that much about even the people that you are in relationships relationships with don't care as much about it aren't as passionate about it as as you would hope and therefore you get very nervous about like the sustainability of the system that you established it does need to be nurtured by human interaction you know some stuff will be perennial and live on completely on its own with or without any help from the from humans but the hope is that you establish a perennial permaculture ecosystem food forest oasis in the blazing burning drought stricken desert so that they will habitate that that paradise and but more importantly 
they will have the duty of care to that paradise to that they will want to continue in the spirit that you did of of like bootstrapping the thing with your own energy and risking and gambling and you know everything on that dream and you you really want to like train them non-coercively but incentivize them and train them to be able to carry on carry on the system and the ecological system and um empower themselves against the non-ecological systems that are constantly sucking us away from nature and into factories and into prostitution and into cubicles and and everything else what brought me to tears about yakuba in that uh at the end of that documentary was like the invisible structures that that he designed and and facilitated having multiple wives um don't read anything into that that uh, isn't necessary but like you see in that film how he is organizing the human sphere so that there will be and he he knows he he's understanding like people's strengths and weaknesses like he's a good organizer he's a good um manager and he and he's accounting for apathy like he's he's understanding what he's up against like people are not you know uh there's a lot of seduction away from nature so you know what he the values that he is struggling to instill like in his children and in his the community that can be served and is being served by the work that he put into this project the just the the art, the artisanship and the subtlety of of his mastery of that level of um you know he's not he's being very transparent i don't he's not being a cult leader he's not being a manipulator he's not lying to people it's certainly not a fucking ponzi scheme and it's certainly not a fucking the howie test it's certainly not selling unregistered securities he's selling real security ecological natural security and he's weaving the fabric of his indigenous culture as tattered as it is by modernization and, and colonization like re reintegrating their souls into the landscape and and uh and it's just so beautiful and i look at that and at the end of that i'm just saying like wow i mean he has got it going on like he is such a um a hero and a uh a master of energy uh, and and master of um of of permanent culture so just on that note you know i think about him often i think about like the legacy that that he's established and and I always hold that in my heart as i <laughs> toil away and wonder if anybody will give a fuck and if you know the the terms of my trust will will actually be um respected you know because i don't want there to be some uh i really hope it never comes to some like sort of um ugly you know legal battle over the terms and the trust i want it to be very smooth i want people to be bought in and i want people to be flourishing and honoring and respecting it and you know 
if it ever doesn't serve its purpose or it needs to evolve into something that looks nothing like what it started as, then it will be done through a form of consensus. It will be done in a way that is, uh, yeah, in, in alignment with the ethics of permaculture, which were derived from an amalgamation of um, the study of, of traditional societies. And so I, I, I um, feel very well represented by that, by permaculture's ethics. And uh, doesn't mean Bill Mollison isn't a, a lecherous fucking scoundrel, <laughs> but uh, it does mean that he's a hell of a anthropologist, or he's a hell of a of a earth scientist and social scientist. And I will respect the hell out of him. Um, and I'll definitely do my best to make him fucking roll around in his grave <laughs> as much as I can as I go about uh, perpetuating his uh, his his intellectual property and, and the trust that he's given to all of us permies to um, to carry on, you know, a, a movement that he co-founded. And so, um, yeah. And big ups to uh, David Holmgren too, co-founder. Always, always important to acknowledge and shout him out. Um, so yeah, I guess wish me luck. And uh, <laughs> if you got tips on permaculture informed estate planning and revocable living trusts and invisible invisible structures in Chapter Fourteen, nerding out, dorking out on Chapter Fourteen, then. Uh, then, then I'm all I'm all ears. I uh, love to hear from people who are further down this path than I am, and uh, we'll keep um, building on successes and uh, and um, cheers.